First Thessalonians chapter four, if you don't mind. Don't know how far I'll get, but um, so if I was going through this chronologically, which is kind of what I'm trying to do. Um, the background for the church, where the church is, the next thing that's, uh, I've spent a few weeks trying to show why I think uh, that the church will be raptured before the tribulation. Uh, I'm sure I'll think of some other things along the line here when I do, uh, we'll insert those in there. Um, but I kind of wanted to spend some time and look at, at the rapture and see what it is we're talking about <clears throat> specifically. So, First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13 is pretty much the rapture chapter. I think it's mentioned elsewhere, but this is the one where we have the most details. And the thing is, uh, Paul is being um, a pastor here. He's not going through and being theological. He's not just saying, now here's the doctrine of the rapture. And he doesn't go through and spell everything out and, and just give us everything exactly as it ought to be. He's comforting the people who are, are troubled. And he's being a preacher. He, he's being a pastor to them. He's wanting to comfort them. He doesn't want them to be disturbed. He doesn't want them to be upset. Um, they're worried about those who died. He, remember, he... Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, the Thessalonian church. Uh, we saw in Acts where he'd only been there for th- three Sundays. He'd only been there like for three weeks. He preached to them, and they'd gotten saved, and these were mostly Gentiles. Um, chapter 1 tells us, you know, that they turned to God from idols. And then we, and then apparently, he, he spent enough time telling them about the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. He says they turned to God from idols to wait on his son. They were anticipating the coming of the Lord at any moment. And so they were doing that, and he must have done such a good job selling them on the gathering together to him and telling them about what it was going to be like when we will see him. He's going to come. And you have to imagine, I try to put myself back in this place about, and Paul was zealous, Peter was zealous, the disciples were zealous. They'd seen the Messiah. They'd spent time with the Messiah. You know, they'd spent, the disciples had spent three years with him. You know, Paul was one born out of due time, but he'd spent time with the Lord. Uh, these men had seen the Messiah. They'd been praying for the Messiah since the Garden of Eden. He'd been promised, and they're like, he's going to come, he's going to come, he's going to come. And, then, and David, you know, he's going to be a house of David. And he just kept coming down, mapping it down, until he finally came after 400 silent years. John the Baptist comes. It comes as it happened. We celebrate Christmas, you know, his birth and how it was. He'd come. And he promised he's going to come again. Do you think they took that as a frivolous thing? They've just waited, you know, since the creation of the world for him to come. And he came. He says he's going to come again. He's going to come again. And so they're living like he's coming tomorrow. Because he told them to. He says, he's coming. He's coming. And so they're, they're, they're sold. It's going to happen soon. Everything's happened. Plus, because Jesus told them the end is near. The time is at hand. Now's the time. We're in the last days because they know that there's only seven years left on the prophetic clock. And, and that Jesus held them to, the, to that time and made reference to it in Luke. Um, and so they're anticipating this, and so Paul did a good job convincing the Thessalonians, and then they're waiting on his son. But now they're worried. He'd done such a good job, and they're anticipating the gathering together unto him. That's what they call the rapture, our gathering together unto him. That they're worried about those who died, because they're being persecuted. If you remember in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, it talks about they're being persecuted, and many being, being killed. And they're saying, well, what about our fellow brothers who, who've died in Christ? Uh, are they going to miss the rapture? You know, we're looking forward to this. We think it's going to happen in our lifetime. We know that you think it's going to happen in your lifetime, Paul. And we'll, we'll see he uses those words uh, here. And he says, what about them? Are they going to miss it? Are they going to be some second-class citizen in heaven? Where we'll have this glorified body walking around and they'll be the ones that are disembodied spirits? Or, or are they going to be totally left out? Or we're going to be in a different part of heaven than they are because of how we are? They didn't know. They were just confused. You know, there's a lot of Christians are still confused about that. What's going to happen after we die? Don't you ever wonder about that? Don't you wonder how it's going to be? They're the same way we are. And so Paul, as a pastor, is saying, let me tell you. 
Let me tell you, you're worried about your loved ones? You're worried that they're going to miss out on this? Let me take some time to tell you, Thessalonians. And so that's what he does. Uh, verse 13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others, which have no hope. Now, sleep here is not as the, the Jehovah Witnesses would have you think, or anybody else, so that's the soul sleep, that you just die, and your soul's asleep, and then one day you know, you'll stand before the judgment, and then you'll be annihilated. No, uh, sleep is only mis- mentioned for Christians. Everybody else, that they're dead. Uh, sleep means for the Christian. Sleep, my soul might leave my body, and, and we've been to a funeral, we've seen the, the, been to the casket of a saint who's gone on, and it looks like they're sleeping, because that's what it's going to be like. It's like they're sleeping, because that body, that body that we have in the casket, is going to rise again. It's a one-to-one correlation. The body that died will be the body that rises. So Jesus, in his mindset, he's already seen the end. It's just like a nap. <laughs> they're just sleeping. As a matter of fact, I can't remember how it breaks down, but the word cemetery kind of comes like out of the word dormitory. It's the dormitory of the church. They're just laying there until I waken them up, and they're going to come up, and they'll be awakened one day. Uh, that They're asleep until then. So it's not soul sleep, it's talking about the body's asleep. Our body is there. Our soul is with Christ, right? To absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's what Paul told us, that's what Paul believed. To live is Christ, to die is gain. And so it's not like they're just gone or disappeared. No, he, he's saying uh, they're asleep, uh, their bodies are dead. Matter of fact, it's a pretty neat study. Um, we could probably take a, a Sunday evening sometime and go through on that, but... Uh, um, so I'm not going to do it right now, but it's, it's not talking about soul sleep. It's saying that their body's asleep because that's how it looks. Now, verse 13, So I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or those who have died before you, that you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. He says, you know, we have hope. You know, we don't lose Christians. We don't say goodbye to Christians. We say until we meet again. I mean, it's, <laughs> we know where they are. We know we're going to see them again. And we have the confidence written that you may know that you have everlasting life. Uh, and so we have a no-so salvation. There, I got the echo back. Um, and so it, it's a, we can know this. He says, we're not to be like the lost. You know, even the lost, if there's a lost person, say, say the person who died as, as a Christian, but the, the grieving family members are lost. Man, they grieve. Like, they, they're never going to see me again, because, you know, they're not, unless they repent and trust him. You know, it's, it's still sad. It's still a sorrowful time. You know, it's that we're going to be separated. Death is an unwelcome guest. You know? It's not right. All of us will go to a funeral home and say, it's not right. This isn't right. It's not right. It's not right. That's why he's banished from heaven. And death shall be no more. He's an unwelcome guest. He's not what he wants here. He'll be banished from there. We don't have to face it anymore. But verse 14 goes on and says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them, them which are asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. It says here that the them which are asleep. Uh, he says he's going to bring with them. Um, I think the main thing here in verse 14 is that who died and rose again. He's classifying to those who have repented and trusted in the, in the Savior who died for their sins and rose again. For them, he says, there's hope. Jesus died and rose again. You believe that? If you repented, you trusted in him. We pass from death into life. Isn't that right? We have everlasting life. Uh, death has no more sting to us. It's just a mild inconvenience. It's just annoyance. Uh, because the body that is dead will be raised again. Uh, to the lost person, death still has its thing. They die, they'll go to hell, and they'll be separated from God forever. But see, uh, Jesus died. His body died. You know, he died on the cross. His body really did die. He, it wasn't some big um, show. It wasn't like the Muslims want to say, you know, no, it was somebody that was made to look like him on the cross. No, Jesus died. He bore our sins on the cross. And what happened three days later? He rose again. He rose again. What, he rise again spiritually, recreated into a new spirit, 
And to Michael the archangels, the whole witnesses there. Did he become some? No, he rose again bodily, didn't he? It was his body. It was the one that was in the grave. Rose again. They moved the stone. They could see him. They could touch him and handle him and see that I am he. And what did Thomas say? I want to thrust my hands in. And he said, my Lord and my God. He rose again bodily. It was him. Same thing for us. If you've repented and trusted Christ in Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ, we will have a bodily resurrection. Matter of fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, we shall be like him. It tells us that we shall be like him. How was he? He was resurrected. He died and rose again. We repent. We trust him as Savior. We will die. We will rise again. We have that promise. I think that's pretty awesome. You know, God didn't let his Holy One see corruption. He, he let him raise again. We might not rise three days later. It might be 3,000 years later, but he will raise us up. Whether you're cremated and your dusts and your ashes are scattered from the four corners of the wind, God is able to recreate you back together. Whether you were eaten by a shark and you were digested, spread into the ocean, God is able to, to bring you back together again. If you were hit with a bomb, it doesn't matter. It was possible with God. Anything is possible with God. What's he need? One strand? He probably didn't need anything. He's like, nope, that's him. But he'll, he'll take it and he'll bring it all back together. I don't, I don't have any uh, trouble believing that. There'll be a lot of people we're going to see in Corinthians that they, they had a trouble with that. How are the dead going to be raised? That's impossible. I don't have any problem believing that. I believe Genesis 1 1. I believe, I believe it here. I believe that God will resurrect me because he told it. Matter of fact, it's one of the earliest doctrines. Job, the oldest book in the Bible, says, Though my reins be consumed within me, it says, reins means my intestines, you know, though my, my, my inward parts are, are gone, he says, yet I will see him in, in this body. You know, that mine eye shall see him. That's the same thing. He's been dead a long time. <laughs> and so he's going to see him again. I'm going to see him again. Uh, you're going to see him again if you repent and trust in Christ. Uh, I want to show you something in Second Corinthians real fast. Hold your spot here. Second Corinthians. Chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 14. It says, Knowing... That he which raised up the Lord Jesus, that's, who's that? That's God, right? Knowing he that which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. He raised up Jesus, he's going to raise you up too. He, did, he kept his word to Jesus, he rose him up, he's going to raise us up too. Knowing he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus' power, because of his sacrifice. So he, we're going to be raised, risen again. Uh, we're going to be like him. We'll be resurrected. Um, I think it's I think it's awesome. Uh, back in Thessalonians, First uh, Thessalonians four fifteen. I think some of this is pretty familiar, so I'm going to go pretty fast. But um, verse fifteen says, "For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep." Now I don't know how the other versions put it, but prevent there always like it's like I always was reading it thinking, oh, well, just because we're alive doesn't mean it's going to stop them from being resurrected. But the word prevent there actually means proceed. That uh, we're not going to go before them. We're going to they're going to go before us. So he's going to give us the order. He says he's going to tell us the order. He says, we're not going to, they're not going to stop us. Matter of fact, we're not going to go before them. They're going to go before we are, those who are alive and remain. Matter of fact, he includes himself in there. What does he say? We which are alive and remain. He's saying, man, he's going to come back in my lifetime. When he comes and we're standing here, we which are alive and remain. Paul was uh, believed in pre-trib. And Paul was believing in the imminent return of the Lord. Paul was excited about this. Now later in his ministry, he knows, I think he sees the death's coming, that it's not going to happen. And he talks about, you know, hey, I'm going to face him. I fought the good fight. I've run the race. But right now, he's like, man, he's living like he's coming at any moment. And he's going to come for him. So he tells us how it's going to happen. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Stop there. So the Lord's going to come down. He's going to give a shout. 
The shout there means a military command. He is our leader. We're in the Lord's army. I heard the kid down there sing it. We're in the Lord's army. He is our leader. He is our, he's the one who's head over us. He's our commander. He, he, is, the, he is our Lord. And he's going to come with a military shout. I was thinking, what, what would he shout? What would those words be? I want to make sure I'm listening, right? I, let's, let's give it some, uh, use my holy imagination here. Let's turn to uh, John chapter 11. What might it be? John chapter 11, verse 43, we have the same thing. <coughs> John eleven forty three. John chapter 11, verse 43, he's at the Lazarus' tomb. So, um, verse 43, so Jesus is standing there, you know, he said, Lord, he stinketh. He had to move away the rock, and Jesus is dead. There's one old movie that just, i got to get that. I keep looking for it at Walmart at Easter when they, wherever they bring him out. I want to buy it just to have this one scene because Jesus is down this road. The, the tomb's kind of up on a hill a little bit, and you see him. You can see the guys roll away the stone. There's this empty door, and Jesus is way down there. He's crying. You know, he's, he's, feeling, uh, he's sorry for him. They're like, boy, look how he loved him. And then verse 43, when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. He's crying with a loud voice. He, he's, 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 he's shout. What's he shout to the dead man? Lazarus, come forth. He had to specify because if he just said come forth, the whole graveyard would have got up. Because this is the, he's the resurrection. I mean, he would have. I mean, he is, he is that way. And so he specifies it. Lazarus, come forth. And in that video, he's, he's standing there anticipating everybody else. is like, uh, what's he think he's doing? And then you see this guy wrapped in clothes, hopping to the entrance of the tomb, and then they all their faces turn to terror. They're like, who does that? Who talks to the dead and they get up again? And it shows them running into town. See, Jesus yelled with a loud voice here, come forth. Uh, I heard a uh, story today that's talking about uh, this uh, civil war. And the men had uh, were encamped, and they're out in this field, and they'd all lay down for the night, and as they're laying down, <coughs> excuse me, laying down for the night, um, they had their blankets, they were all kind of separated, you know, ever so many feet, you know, laying in their regiments, and it snowed, and the captain, had, had captain, had, the captain, that's Captain Crunch, I'm used to, uh, but <laughs> it was, uh, but the captain had got up first that morning, and he was telling the, the, the bugler to, to sign the reveille, and as he looked across the field, he just saw these little soft mounds covered in the snow. And the trumpet sounded, then all of a sudden it looked like a graveyard bursting forth, he said, as if they began to set up and came forth. And he thought, oh, and it took him right to what we're going to read here next in First Thessalonians. Um, but um, I want to show you one more thing. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 4. Um, so I think instead of saying, Lazarus, come forth, Jesus will come down and say, my church, come forth. And those sheep who know his voice and hear his voice will come, won't they? He says, my, my sheep know my voice. My, my, my sheep will hear me. Uh, Revelation chapter 4. Now, Revelation chapter 1 gives us the outline of the book of Revelation. It tells us that uh, the thing which thou sawest, and the things which are, and the things which shall be, the things which thou sawest is Revelation chapter 1. The things which are is the church age, chapter 2 and 3. That's where we are right now. The things which shall be hereafter is the things that happen after the church age. And I think that starts with chapter 4. And the first thing that happens in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, says, And after this, after what? After the church. After the rapture, I believe. Behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet. And he said, talking with me, which said, Come up hither. <laughs> Sounds like, come forth. Sounds like, come. I think Jesus is going to tell us to come. And he says, uh, 
I will show thee things which shall be hereafter. So he comes up, and many think that that's maybe a uh, kind of a type of a rapture thrown up in there that that, that he'll be in, interjected in there as well. So uh, Revelation one has the outline, and Revelation four, um, the very first thing talks about him coming up, and they say that, that, that many think that that's kind of a, a type of, of, the, of the rapture thrown in there. But I think Jesus is going to say, "Come forth, my church." Or come, my children, or come something, come, and, and, and then we'll come up. Those who are dead in Christ will come up, and the rest of us will be changed. Uh, verse, back to 1 Thessalonians 4, and verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend with heaven with a shout, Come! With the voice of an archangel, the voice of an archangel. He's going to be loud. We know of one archangel. Jude tells us that Michael's an archangel, and he contested over the body of Moses. In Daniel chapter 12, uh, you have the resurrection of the Old Testament saints. Guess who's there? Michael the Archangel. He's over them as they come forth and they, and they resurrect again. We'll get into that another time. But uh, he's, the, he's the Jewish um, guardian angel. He's always seen protecting the Jewish nation. Will we have an archangel over the church? I don't know. Maybe it's Michael. Maybe he is the archangel. He's the only one. Maybe there's others. The Jews believed in their tradition that there were seven archangels. And we only have three angels named in Scripture. And one of them is bad. Uh, Michael and Gabriel. Um, but there's going to be this voice of the archangel. So be, I think there's going to be an archangel there too. That he's going to, maybe it's the the hierarchy and how this happens and the commands coming down. And it says this, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. See, they go first. But there's that trumpet of God, the trumpet of God. Now there's a lot of speculation about the trumpet because um, you have trumpets in the Book of Revelation. Well, which one is it going to be? And so someone will say, well, the last trumpet, because there's seven trumpet judgment, so it must be the last trumpet. That's when the rapture happens. No, those are different trumpets. There's a lot of trumpets in the Bible. Those are judgments. We're going to be spared judgment. Revelation 3 tells us that. I will keep you from the hour of testing which comes upon the whole world. You're my children. My children hear my voice. He gathers his people together. I uh, wish I had an example. Exodus. <laughs> Exodus 19. I'm a cheater. Exodus 19 and verse 13 you have God you have God getting ready to meet he's meeting Israel Exodus 19 and verse 13 says then shall not a hand touch it talking about this holy mountain they they were guarding it off he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether it's beast or man. Remember, he's, he's going to come down this mountain. He had him put piles of rocks around it. He said, if I'm going to be there, it's holy ground. You don't have anybody get in there. If you do, you kill him, or I'll kill him. That's what he's talking about here. He says, it shall not live. He says, when the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come up to the mount. God's going to sound a trumpet. He's going to gather his people. They're going to come meet him there. They're going to watch Moses go up. God uses a trumpet to gather his people together. I think that's what he's doing in 1 Thessalonians 4. He's like, I'm going to sound a trumpet. I'm going to have him do this. He says, you're going to hear it. You're going to know it's time to come forth. My children, come. And he makes sure it's loud and we all hear it and we come. He's calling his people. I think that's what he's doing. I think it's the trumpet of God calling his people. It's not, um, he, he used the trumpet and you can if you do the search on trumpet. Um, the fall feast or trumpets, you know, the calling the people, calling to the assembly, calling them to the temple, calling them there. Here he's calling his church. And then he's going to say, I'm church, well done. And he were to be the bride of Christ. Now he goes back to the last seven years he has to do with the Jews. Their trumpets aren't done yet. He's still got some trumpets blowing for them. But I think it's a calling out. He's calling us. Uh, so First Thessalonians 4, uh, verse 17 then. So the dead in Christ rise first is verse 16. So the, it's not, that's the order. Some people say, well, yeah, they've got six foot further. 
I don't think it's that. I think it's just the honor that they have died first, that they've been longing for that body to be resurrected. And, that's, um, and the way I guess I envision it is that as the Lord's coming, we're meeting Him in the air. Matter of fact, more, it's more of us going to Him as it is Him coming to us because we're going to meet Him in the air. Uh, he has the saints with Him. So their bodies change. And so now the soul that's in heaven reunites with the body. The body has been transformed into this body we're going to study in 1 Corinthians 15 in a minute. And it's now that it has this body that's powerful, is incorruptible. There's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. There's no more sin that is involved in there. And they go up and they how they have the resurrection body. And then we which are alive and remain. That's what he goes on in verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's that harpazo. That's the word where we get the rapture to be. Uh, taken by force. Matter of fact, it means to be taken by, to be taken violently. Uh, the Romans would use this, or the Greeks would use the same root word to have to do with rape. You know, it's to be taken violently. All of a sudden, we're here, then we're gone. Uh, we're taken out of here. We'll be t- caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And why is he teaching them all this? Verse eighteen: Comfort one another. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we're going to meet him. We're going to be caught up. We're going to be taken with him. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be uh, called up to Him. So we go to meet Him in the air, not Him coming down to the ground. Uh, we're going up to Him, and then I believe we'll have the Bema Seat Judgment, and we'll talk about that later. And um, at the end of that comes the seven-year tribulation. We'll come back with Him at the end of uh, Revelation. Let's see. Don't you wish Jesus would have talked about the rapture in one of the Gospels? Hmm. How about John 14? <laughs> Can I do that too many times in one night? <laughs> John John 14, because uh, we're going to learn something in 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> that the rapture is a mystery. Jesus comes and he's offering the kingdom. The kingdom was rejected. And so you have a lot of people that thinks the kingdom's going on right now. I'm sorry, when Jesus Christ is king, you will know it. <laughs> now, he's king of my life, and he should be. But sadly, you know, I battle for the throne often. You know, I'm wrestling with who's lord of my life all the time. But it should be. He's the lord of our life. I crown me now. Uh, I should be letting him reign over me, but we don't. Uh, but the only illusion, the only promise we have about uh, the rapture is in John 14. And it's him comforting uh, those who's leaving. Uh, this is kind of his, in John 14 onward, he, he's, he's really uh, addressing the disciples. And he knows how hard it's going to be. And all of them give their life for him. Uh, save John, but John still, as we said, suffered torment. Um, but in John 14, what's he tell them? Let your heart not be troubled. He's comforting him. He's stirring him up. This is him addressing his troops. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He says, I'm going to make this place ready for you. He's going. And then it says Father's mansion. There's many times we think of a picture of a street, you know, and all these houses on it. That actually means I'm going to furnish the rooms in the mansion would probably be better interpretation. It's a... Um, this is this big mansion, it's my father's house, you have a room there, I'm preparing your room. Some rooms he has ready and he's taking his saints home. Others of us, he's still working on our rooms, you know, <laughs> that he's going to have to be ready. But he's been working on it for some 2,000 years. He made the world in six days. What's this going to be like? He's preparing a place for us. He says, I'm going to come, I'm going to have a room, I'm going to have a place prepared for you. So he's, he's encouraging them, he's strengthening them. Uh, verse three, uh, 3, yeah. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. For who? For the ones of saints, right? For, for his. He goes, I'll come again. I'll come get you. Why? So he can come and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years? Eventually. He says, but I'll come again and receive you unto myself. We will gather to meet him in the air. We will go to be with him in the air. 
There where I am, there you may be also. Where he is, which is in heaven, and then where he is right now, he's sat down at the right hand of God. Where we'll be with him. And whether I go, you know, in my way, you know, we'll go to go to be with him. And my, you say, well, it's only going to be seven years. There'll be a thousand years. That's part, I, it's kind of like, a, like I'd like to wish I had like a day and we'll just talk about how all this goes and hear the millennium and how this all works together and where we'll be and where we'll live. And I'll give you this to whet your appetite for now. There's <laughs> many things that when we go, we'll get our room, we'll have our mansion, and then it'll be like, almost like a space station. Now, the other, uh, this, this fall, uh, we saw the space station. Elaine heard on the news, the space station's coming by at a certain time. We went down, we parked in the clearing. Sure enough, she goes, ah, it should be right now. And Joel's like, there it is. And it was just like a big star moving real fast, real low. And we, we watched it, and Joel's waving at it. He's like, holy satellite with somebody on it. And we, we watch it go. But can you imagine when you have our mansion that'll be out there? And they think that maybe when Jesus Christ comes back and rules reign for the thousand years, there it'll be like this jewel in the sky uh, up there glowing, and you and I, which will come down and we can rule and reign with him on the earth, but our home's not here, our home's in heaven, or, and so we have our, a mansion prepared for us, we live there, maybe we come down to work, we commute back and forth, I don't, I don't know I'm, <laughs> how it's going to go, but, but one view has it that way, that we'll go, we'll come back and forth, and we can go like the angels do now, while they come, we entertain angels unaware, and yet they can be in, in heaven in an instant too, um, as we're going to see with our resurrected bodies, that we will be what, he tells us in John, like the angels in heaven, how are the angels in heaven? How do, what do they do? They can travel very fast. They can be in one place and someplace else again. Uh, they can travel through space. Because uh, and, and, and Daniel, you remember, he had a, had a fight. We had a fight with this prince of Persia. We were going there. I was coming from heaven, but I had a fight. And then I had someone take over for me and go. And, and, and they were powerful and they were strong and they were able to do this. And he says, you'll, you'll be like them. I'm not going to be an angel. But I'm going to have a body like them. And that's some, some things that they can do. Uh, and so maybe it'll be something we'll see, and we can come back and forth, and we'll, and we'll have our place, we'll have our home. It's not like you're going to move a thousand times. The whole point is that you'll have permanence. <clears throat> Ultimately, in Revelation 21 and 22, it's, we see it as adorned like a bride, and it comes down, and it's on the new earth, the new heaven, new earth, the new Jerusalem, on the, on the uh, earth again. And so I, I don't know how uh, we might uh, rectify all those together, but it'll be there, then we'll rule and reign with Him all here at the same time. And so I... I just trying to stir your imagination as we go through the scriptures. We'll pull all those facts together. And so, um, I know what a good way they say to teach is to tell you what you're going to tell them, and tell them, and then tell them again. And so, uh, try to give you some forethought, and then we'll go through and pull out the scriptures and see how it all applies. But he says, I'm going to prepare a place, and you're going to come to be with him. You know, I'll receive you unto myself. That's the rapture. That's the gathering together of the saints. That's the gathering together into him. That's meeting him in the clouds in the air. The second coming is Christ coming down and ruling and reigning on the earth. But see, we go to be with him first. And you have to think, well, how, man, if you have the Bema Seat judgment, which is the judgment for the church, can he do all that in seven years? I don't think time matters in heaven. We might be, you know, a thousand years with him. While he's doing that, then we come back on earth. It's only been seven years. And we'll have a place to live the whole time. We'll have that, have that going on. Then we'll rule and reign uh, with him for those thousand years. And so I, I think it's fun to imagine what it might be like. But he's telling us all this to comfort us. He's telling us that to comfort Come for the disciples, because he's going to be crucified, and they're going to be distraught. And he's saying, I'm going to go. I'm preparing a place, and you're going to be there with me. And they lived like it. They lived a transformed life. After they saw the risen Christ, they were different. That's why, after you and I had seen the risen Christ, as far as I've never seen him physically, but he was my Lord, he saved me, my sins have been forgiven, I should be living like it. I should be living like, man, I'm going to be with him. You know, I think the sad thing, many of the churches say, you know, you spend too much time on that. And many Christians say, you shouldn't study end times. I think we don't study it enough. I don't think we study our future enough. Because this is what, what Paul says. This is our motivation. Do you not know 
Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's a, isn't that First Corinthians 15? Let's go there and look. I didn't have my notes, I was just thinking. First uh, Corinthians 15. Yeah, First Corinthians 15. It's right at the end after he tells them about the glorified body they're going to have. 58. Therefore, my beloved brother, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. <clears throat> For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, he says, this world is not it. <clears throat> you know, this is... We're talking about, we're not to rest. We'll rest then. We're to be working for Him now. More I study this, I need to study it more. I need to keep, it should motivate us. We're going to be there. We're going to be doing something for eternity's sake now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, we'll have to hit uh, between Christmas and New Year's here. But it, it's, I'd invite you to read it. Um, we'll go and we'll look about what our body is. But let me, let me jump ahead to the end. Because um, it talks about how the body has to be sown, this one's corruptible, it puts on incorruption. I just, I'd recommend you read over the weekend, First uh, Corinthians 15, all of it. Um, <clears throat> and here's the, let me kind of put the, we'll go through it real good together. But uh, here's their problem: the Corinthians' problem wasn't like the Thessalonians. The Thessalonians were like, "What about our dead loved ones? How are they going to be raised?" You know, uh, if we're, we understand the are being changed. We understand the rapture, but what about those who died in Christ? And so Paul goes, let me tell you about them. You know, they're going to be, uh, the dead in Christ shall come first, and then the, their body and soul will be reunited. They'll go up, they'll be changed. Then we which are alive and remain shall go up to be together in the Lord. The Corinthians' problem was, oh, we don't have a problem with this. Well, what about, what about those who died? They surely can't come. And so Paul has to tell them, no, see, it's okay for them. It's just like a seed. When a seed dies, it's, it has to, be, has to be dead, and then it germinates, and it changes, and it'll come up, and it'll spring forth out of the ground. And then also, and then he, then he goes in and describes all the bodies, and I don't want to just gloss over that. We'll go through it deeply. And so he has to argue it from a whole different, the opposite view. They're, they're worried. How can the dead be raised? He's like, uh, you ever heard of a farm? You ever heard of a seed? You ever heard of, you know, it ha- that's how it always is. We have the resurrection around us all the time. You know, we see dead things that will live again. He says, you sow a piece of corn, it doesn't just pop up a kernel of corn, it comes up a corn plant, and it has all this. And, and even Jesus in his own self, he says, you know, I have to die. I have to be like a grain of wheat. You know, to die and in the ground, then I give forth much, much fruit. And we're going to be like him. And so this is telling us how we're going to be like him. And so he's telling them how, his whole point, he focuses on them, is how are the dead going to be raised? And then verse 15, or verse, sorry, verse, chapter 15, verse 51, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. It's something that they didn't know. This is something new. We shall not all sleep. So they're thinking that everybody's going to be dead. He says, But some of us which were alive, we shall be changed. We're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, the assembly together, come you, my children, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, that was them, and we shall be changed. We'll be changed. We'll be given the body that is fit for heaven. Um, I've got a bunch of notes on that, but we're going to get to it. But, you know, uh, he talks about us being naked now, but then we have to be clothed ourselves with our new body. And so we're going to have this new body, we're going to live with him. And Oh, death, where is your sting and where is the strength... Verse 56, the sting of death is sin. You know, that's right. If you die in your sin, it has a sting. You will be in hell forever. See, our sting's been removed. If you've repented and trusted Christ, the sin has been dealt with, hasn't it? It might be an annoying scorpion still trying to get you, but there is no stinger. See, in the strength of sin is the law. The law we, the law killed us. It showed us that we are sinners and then we had to die to ourselves. Repent and trust in the Savior, but our, the sin's been paid for. So it's just a minor inconvenience to us. Because those we're not lost. Those bodies will be raised. And he, and he goes on. He, yeah, there's too much here. I want to give it to you all, but I'm just going to talk over myself. <laughs> but uh, again, 
Handel's Messiah. Anybody ever heard all of it? That's that right there. I'm gonna. And we're heading out since I just want to at least get that last verse in. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, last trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I'm going to play that for you just as we're leaving, just because it was encouraging. I listened to it on the way down here. So, Angel, you had something? I just wondered what the reference was. I think it's the last one, and that last for the church. You know, maybe it's just our last trumpet, you know, the, our last call. Um, roughly right now, I know this one. Let me go at it some more, but I think at least what I was studying today, that's what they're thinking. It's our last trumpet. It's not like the last trumpet. That's where a lot of people try to associate this with the tribulation. Those trumpets are different. Uh, this was just our last trumpet for the church. Um, last trumpet. At the last trumpet. There's some of them also associated with the, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, and that there are so many trumpet blasts, and maybe it's at that last trumpet. And that feast, as that's going on, and all the spring ones were exactly... On time, on the right date, and I don't know, you know, but you know, maybe this one is too, or maybe it's one of those trumpets in that. And that, uh, but I was also thinking about that today, thinking about always like, well, why didn't they get the Passover? Man, I can't believe they didn't understand, you know, Pentecost. And I hear saying, I wonder how it's going to fit in with the trumpets. It's like, and I know he's fulfilled the first half, and he's going to fulfill the last half, and that's hard for me to jive it all together. That could be, yeah. I need to study the Feast of the Trumpets more. You got my book right now. Yeah. Peggy's reading that now. She'll be the authority. You can ask her. So. <laughs> the big shofar, yeah, the shofar blows. And yeah. there's others that think that we were born. Ah, this is a whole other neat theory, but uh, maybe I'll give you that later. But uh, <laughs> your appetite? There's a whole other thing that thinks, some that think that. Yeah, I can't. I'm going to let you wait. It's, it's kind of interesting, but I don't want to speculate in front of you. But, but it's pretty cool. All right. Since Sue asked, I'll at least give you the speculation. Yeah, but go ahead. Sue asked me, I'll tell you. <laughs> at least give you the hint to, that the, I believe the church began at Pentecost, and that was when the, the, the flaming tongues and all that came down. That was the same day that Israel's birthday was at Pentecost. They, uh, when they marched out of Israel and he met with them, it was the same amount of time, or the same time in the same place. And, and I want to say there's also, so many think that it's be on that same day that we'll be taken out on our birthday, and then they have... I can't remember all the references now. That's why I didn't want to say it. I can't remember the other examples they have of things that began and end at the exact same date. And they, there's two or three that happen at the exact same time. So many think that it'll just pick up where it ended in that we were just literally, as in the that parentheses that we talk about in Daniel between those verses, you know, where it, and then the... Uh, verse 27 of chapter 9, that the church is jammed in between those two verses and you can't even see it, that literally, like when God takes it, like the birthday of the church, we're gone the same day. It's almost like that his clock just went and was just that fraction of a second. And I don't know. Mike and Adam probably get it, comic book thinking, but that's, that's kind of that, 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 that same time and now he's back on the Jewish calendar and it goes back that way. And so there's some that theorize that and there's other examples, but I can't remember them all right now. But what, some think that maybe the day will be Pentecost, but... I know that no man knows the day or the hour. And so, even if we had a close, 
I just know that Paul tells us to live like it's at any moment. Thessalonians lived like it was any moment. Paul lived like it was any moment. Peter lived like it was any moment. Uh, We're to live like it's any moment. We're to be waiting for Him. Remember, there's a crown for those who love His appearing. So we we need to just be looking for Him. In the rapture. In the rapture, yeah. Now, you know, I hope I tear the ground. If I'm dead, I want to rip a big old hole through the grave and let them all say, what went on here? I hope I knock a hole through the roof. I, I, I don't know. I tend to think we might pass through. But, but they don't see it. So this is all, and any, any of the detractors that I read, they try to take it to Matthew 25, see, there's two in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. That's the rapture. I, I haven't used that reference once. I don't think it is the rapture. I think that's a different gathering. There's another gathering at the end of the tribulation where the angels go and they gather the elect off the face of the earth and two will be taken, two are in the field and one is left. That's about the end of the age. That's not talking about the rapture. It's a, they always say it like it's a bad word, the secret coming, but it is a secret coming. See, because 1 Thessalonians 5 says, we're not to be children of darkness, that he comes and overtakes us as a thief. No, we're to see it, we're to be anticipating, we're to be looking for it, we're to be watching for it. He's going to come an hour, we don't know, but we're going to be, I knew it was coming sometime. We're to be living like, yep, it was today. Exodus, uh, the Exodus of the Jews, you know, they were to be gird, or their loins girded and have their staff and things packed. They would be ready to go at any moment. We're to be ready to go at any moment, not like, oh, I thought it was going to be ten more years from now. It's like, no, we're to be, we're to be ready and be living like it and... Uh, because the more you live, the more you realize, man, time goes fast. What have I done with my life? I remember um, turning 30, uh, which was sadly <laughs> too long ago. But <laughs> I remember turning 30 thinking, man, Jesus started his ministry at 30. Look at what he did in three years. Lord, what can I do in three years? And I'm 44. And it's like, man. It's like, but, but, but it just goes fast. You know, it's like, when, when we ought, what, we, what we do for him is what matters. You know, not how many Batman episodes I've watched. Well, I'll probably still watch them. But, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's what I do for him. And I'll, Don't you ever go through your Bible and see where you've left notes? And you're like, man, I understood that. I can't believe it. I, I, I read this Bible. I remember reading through that book before. There's a note there. Encourage you how, how quickly we forget. We're, we're to stay in it. We're to be out there doing something for him. Not like, well, we witnessed last summer. No, we're to be doing something all the time and, and, and being ready uh, to go out and witness them and trying to win them because the lost are still dying. Lost are still going to hell. Corey was mentioned tonight. There's others that we, we think, there are people are dying going to hell and we need to reach out to them. The rapture is going to happen and a lot of people say, well, ah, it's the God of second chances. Yeah, that's my God. He's got second chances and if, the, if they think that they're going to just say, well, when the rapture happens, then I'll get saved. Chances are their heart will be so hard they'd never even see it then either. They'll be like, ooh, all the stick in the muds are gone and they'll go live it up. And, and so that's uh, literally how I think it'll be. But uh, I better go there. I've got my hour. I made it for what's starting late. Sorry. <laughs> Answer. Um, close the word of prayer, and then be, I'm going to have that song. Have Joel play that song for you, and I'm leaving. It's uh, uh, the group. It goes way back to uh, '80s Christian rock. It's uh, the group for him, and it's uh, and, uh, handles Messiah and the dead shall be raised. They're singing that verse just over and over, and it's one of my favorites. <clears throat>